Good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Podcast. My name is Kat. I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the podcast. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 45 years now. And each month on these trainings, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic Course as a free resource for you in your ongoing growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about our basic course, you can go to psibasicseminar.com. Tonight, we are talking about the masks we wear. We are very excited to bring you this special training followed by a Q&A session where we will be answering your questions. First off, we have Mr. Rob Rowe with us. Rob is one of the facilitators in the basic division He has been involved with PSI seminars for over 22 years, including the Life Success Course and Men's Leadership Seminar. Rob is an avid reader, loves to golf, and is involved in a number of charities. Rob, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Glad to have you tonight. It's good to be here tonight. So tonight we're talking about the masks you wear, true? Yes. The masks we wear. All right, so when I was um, reflecting on this particular concept or this this idea in the last three or four weeks, uh, I really started actually looking at things like, we all wear a mask. I finally came to that final deduction. Everybody on the planet is wearing some sort of mask. As a matter of fact, the Japanese have a saying that we wear one mask when we're in a working environment and then one mask when we're around close friends in a family environment and then one mask of which no one ever sees and no one ever knows about. And so in essence, we're always wearing a mask and sometimes we trade between masks. And so I wanted to look at that a little bit and start asking some questions about it. Uh, And I wanna bring up this quote from Einstein and then we'll finish it off with a version of it when I get to the end. Einstein basically said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use when we created them. And so to actually overcome a problem or a scenario or a situation in our life, we must come from a different thinking process or from a different vantage point than we have thus far, which is very interesting when it comes to masks. So we all have masks. People are wearing masks. There's the cool one. You probably experienced this one with all outward appearances. This person is like stellar. They look great. They look fine. They're calm. They're collective, and they seem to have everything handled and extremely unrattled any situations. And then we have what we refer to as the humorist. This guy's kind of funny, and they use humor as a defense mechanism. I've studied comedians for many years of my life, and I realized that uh, comedy and using humor is a defense mechanism that keeps us away from dealing with certain pains and certain certain um, pain stuff we grew up with. And hence, that's why quite a few comedians throughout the years have committed suicide. They've taken themselves out of that equation. Then there's the overachiever. I was just at MLS this last week and got a chance to experience a lot of these people. Uh, what they do is they are unconsciously or consciously, they prefer they pursue perfectionism. They're always trying to do their very, very best. And they're like piglet running around all the time. Um in a hurry to get things done, and so it has to be absolutely perfect, and it can't not be unperfect. And as a matter of fact, it's not if it's not going to be perfect, they have a tendency of just freezing up and shutting down. So I got a chance to experience quite a few of those this last week. 
The martyr, the martyr in our site seminars world also reflects the thing called a victim. A uh, victim is a person who's not operating via responsibility, and they always have someone or something else to blame their lives on or blame scenarios within their life on. Many of us know that kind of martyr person. They're always boasting of how hard it is or how they take a bullet for you or how you know they had to work extra hard for other people or they're the ones who drove here or they're the ones who drove there. You know, they walk two miles to school uphill in the snow kind of people. And so their stories are always around how difficult life is and particularly how difficult life is for them. And then another one I've seen a lot about is that we experienced it a little bit this last week, but I've not only seen it just last week, I've seen it probably in the last six or eight months of my life. Well, let's go back a year now. And that's the bully. And the bully, I thought, was always unique to men, but I've also noticed, no, it pretty much permeates all genders, men and women. And uh, this is the one where it's a manipulation of people, whether you use humor or you use intelligence or whether you use... Um, physical ability, you see that a lot with guys, uh, but what they're doing is they're becoming aggressive, uh, and so they can manipulate the scenario so that it works out in their particular favor. They tend to be really insecure when it comes to respecting and caring for themselves, and so they look for that respect by demanding it out of those around them. And uh, so, a lot of bullying going around in our planet, and on Facebook and whatnot. So the bully is the desire for respect through force, which never really works. And then I, as I grew up with, I've seen a lot of my, it's my little sister right now, especially, is that self-basher. They're the person, it's like they're one that's bashing themselves up. They're not enough. They never do enough. They're constantly suffering. They have some chronic disease. Maria and I, we have a friend that, um, up until a few months ago, let's go six, eight months ago, strong woman, powerful woman, involved in yoga, but she always had this theme, you know, that things weren't, could have been better, should have been better, and she's always working out really hard. And then on a matter of months, she bashed herself so much emotionally and mentally, she now physically is paying huge prices for it and is hardly even able to walk. And so anyways, there's a self-depreciation these kind of people and they're always putting themselves down and then uh, another one I've seen a lot is that the people pleaser one of the reasons I'm going through this list right now is for you to start looking at some things and how how you're using these or how you're actually combining these together because a lot of times we'll combine them together to make them work in our lives and so first off is begin to identify where you're wearing the masks and how the masks possibly are showing up so these are the the basic ones that come up in a lot of people uh, as I said uh, there's a spiritual person everybody's got one of those people in their lives highly spiritual whether spirituality comes in their meditative practices or in their religious practices or in their all understanding of God or in their desire to follow God and give him his give them give God his due or give God their lives and then we have that mask that we wear sometimes of the healthy person. Healthy person is a pretty popular mask right now. Healthy athletic guy and gal taking care of themselves. Um, you know, it's all looking really good on the outside. I'm just taking care of me, just trying to look good, stay healthy, stay, stay correct. And um, I'm going, it's a little overdone, but I don't quite see, see that. And then finally, we get to people like Save the Whales people. These are our tree huggers, our people who uh, care a lot about the planet. 
letting us know that we have things called climate control and climate changes and things are taking place on the planet. They're the ones that are constantly reminding us that uh, we're living on this planet as if we have another one to go to. And so, as you can see, none of these masks are poor in, in and of themselves. They just have a certain abilities and they have certain flexibilities and they can only certain, meet certain areas. It's like the four that we bring out in the basic when we talk about the basic is what we refer to as the control freak. Control freak is a person that uses order and power to achieve a sense of security. So ultimately they're after security, but they're using whatever necessary to create that security by trying to take control of any given situation. Um, everything's got to be in its proper place. Uh, you got There's no ambiguity. Everything's certain. There's no wasting of time. The control really sometimes takes the place of like a mother hen type person where they're always invading in people's lives. We're seeing a lot of control freak coming when we're raising our children. We're not giving them any opportunity to fail, catch a cold, get a germ. And so we're controlling their environment so stringently so, uh, so that we protect them and feel better about who we are in that protection. And so in our quadrant, it's called the controller quadrant, when it deals with the matrix, on our behavior matrix in the basic. And there's the people pleaser. That's the supporter person. This person, another part of the quadrant. People pleaser is the one that um, will go to desperate lengths to win approval of others around them because he or she have a sense of loss, I guess, and a sense of identity. And all their identity is based off of assisting and helping those around them, uh, taking care of those around them. It's a tough mask to follow, but it's a person that constantly is have a hard time saying no. They have a hard time laying down boundaries. Um, they actually purchase vehicles and cars and stuff as thinking about what others around them would need, not so much of what they would want. Yeah, another personality type I refer to is the introvert. Introvert in our site seminars world is like the analyst. Introvert comes across as a rather timid person. They're secure. They're introverted. And they're fearful. Sense they're fearful when it comes to. Um, being in um, mixture of company, uh, parties, things like that, lots of people all around that they don't know. It's kind of scary. Uh, they'd much rather feel alone. They'd much rather be alone than be around some other people. They tend to be high perfectionists. It's all got to be a very specific and very perfect way. Everything's laid out around them uh, and very organized. And so... That's the analyst, introverted type sense. And then they're referred to as a social butterfly. you got one of these people. Um, they compensate for their insecurities by talking a lot, uh, connecting a lot, a lot of small talk. Uh, they're distracted, easy. Uh, nothing is impossible. They can take on virtually anything. And, you know, it's just do what we need to do. In our world, it's called the promoter category. Uh, and it's got its value. So anyways, these are just some, some masks. I could go on, but there are some masks that we tend to generate toward, um, and I think that we work with or are find ourselves in uh, much of our lives or a good portion of our lives. And so I want to make this point right now, is that nothing is wrong with a mask. Masks are necessities. Uh, there's a time, I believe, if we keep going through the growing process and we become enlightened enough or uh, connected enough to where a mask becomes unnecessary. But I've really never met a person that didn't have a mask. I have met fairly authentic human beings in my life, but still even they were playing a certain role 
and they seem to also be wearing a mask. And so I've determined through what I've read and what I understand is that there's nothing wrong with the mask. The difficulty comes um, when you forget that the mask at some point must come off and be replaced by another. See, a mask is like a facet, an expression of a multifaceted stone. And there's a need for you to become that mask to digest, integrate, understand, develop, um, experience that particular facet. Because that facet becomes valuable for you to even grow farther. It's like when I brought up the control freak, people please, introvert, social butterfly, which incites seminars, controller, supporter, analyst, promoter. These are behavior styles and they're masks that we wear in our world. And we tell them, and we were told ourselves, it's not that you are any one of these masks, it's that you are emulating them. And true mark of leadership is for one to stand in the middle and utilize all facets of those masks. Being able to be in control, being able to care about people, being able to be a strategist and analyze scenarios and understand points, and being able to promote themselves and promote their cause in such a way that it makes a big difference in the world. And so, it's a, once you begin to get the facets down, then you can t borrow from the learning that that mask brought you and begin to... Uh, use it as you grow older. And the word I use is integrating. You become, basically, you become educated. You become wiser. Uh, events in your life are no longer events that stay in stagnation. See, events that stay in stagnation and they're not dealt with, healed, monitored, done something with, they become stagnant and then becomes, you become resentful. resentful. And then you get this big pool of resentment that, uh, that you find yourself falling into over and over again. Once you've actually worked through a scenario as a human being uh, encased in one of these masks and you've allowed forgiveness to come upon you, you've allowed grace to come upon you, you've allowed yourself to heal yourself, now you've transformed that event and you know it's truly transformed and you are truly transformed because you see it as wisdom. It's no longer resentment, but it's truly a wisdom. And now you can move on. And I think that's a lot of times when we take on another mask. Signs that your mask is getting a little bit big or a little bit problematic and it's time to move on. A lot of times we feel these signs and we get them inside of us, but we don't really acknowledge them or do much with them. First thing is to look at if you find yourself feeling restless. When you find yourself just not being able to sit around and be with yourself. When you find yourself constantly on a cell phone, constantly in some sort of interaction, constantly having radios or TVs playing in the background, constantly in need of eating, constantly in need of drinking, constantly in need of medicating yourself, you find yourself becoming restless. You need something externally to um, do. It's like my Amazon thinks doing really well right now because a lot of us are extremely restless. People are buying and buying and buying, and they buy a lot of things they don't really need. And when they get it, it's not very fulfilling because the deal is they're restless and they're doing whatever they can to get out of this restlessness. And the restlessness is there to let you know the mask is ready to move on, but you are still holding on to it. And so there's a restlessness that takes up. Uh, the second way to tell is when you're always feeling out of place. Now, I've talked to people in the last couple of years. I've been doing basics for the last couple of years. Before then, I was always in size sevens and 
our life success course and our leadership classes. Um, and what I've seen a lot by talking to people in the last few years is that they never feel quite at home. They always feel out of place. And I think that's a good sign when you come to the basic because it's time for you to remove that mask. It's time for you to come out from behind that area because it's no longer serving you now. It's now being utilized in a way that is not serving you. And so you don't feel a place. You don't feel that you're comfortable. You don't feel that you belong. You don't feel that you're engaged. Even though you got the house, you got the car, you got the money, you got the kids, you got the um, spouse, but somehow it's like you don't belong here. So you're out of place. And then another, another gauge, another sign is for you to notice that if you are second-guessing yourself, once you start second-guessing yourself and once you lose your assurance in what it is that you're doing and you start wondering if this is right, wondering if this is good, wondering if this is enough, wondering if you're enough, wondering if the world should be different, wondering, wondering, wondering. Once you begin to start second-guessing yourself and your decisions and your choices and you start looking back at choices that you made three masks ago and then you start questioning the wisdom of those choices three masks ago, you can't question three masks ago because you're not the same person anymore. And so you're seeing it from a completely different vantage point. And so there's no need to second guess yourself at that point. There's only need for acceptance. But when you find yourself constantly in your world, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because the deal is you've got yourself so second guessing yourself, you're not allowing yourself to land on anything. It's not that challenging to constantly ask yourself, who am I and what do I want? Because things will come up and you'll begin to understand them more. Uh, when you don't ask those questions and then you'll start second guessing what it, who you are and what it is you want, you know the mask is ready to come off. The mask is ready to move. So those are three big signs to look at in your life and asking yourself, is this happening to me? If it is, you're at a crossroads. It's time for you to let go of the mask and move on. I also dug up some symptoms. So I think I'm signs and symptoms. You want to know if your mask is ready to be pulled? It's ready to go on and get another mask? Is because your mask makes you rigid and dogmatic. If you find yourself extremely rigid and dogmatic in your belief systems, rigid or dogmatic in your points of view, um, forcing what you think upon others, uh, you're not no longer allowing yourself to ask questions of why, what, but you have all the answers. You have all the validations, you have it all down, and you know what's going on. That means this mask is getting ready to be peeled away. Because the mask was never meant to come from that particular place. Now it's becoming stagnant, rigid, and dogmatic. It comes very strict. I gotta be up at six o'clock, I work out this time. If I don't work out, I'm not a good human. If I don't do this, if I don't eat that, I'm not a good human. If all of a sudden your goodness and who you are as a human being is basically, um, all relying upon this schedule that you have chosen to keep, yeah, the mask is beginning, because that rigidity is beginning to destroy uh, the very liberty and energy that you want to create as a human being. So rigid, dogmatic, if you start, dogmatic simply means you're, you're, you have all the reasons why. I'm sure you've been around the person that seems to have, they know everything and they have all the reasons why something shouldn't be done that way. You want to know why that shouldn't be done that way? I'll tell you why that shouldn't be done that way. It shouldn't be done that way because, and then they go all down the list of why and how it shouldn't be done. So that's when they become extremely dogmatic. And a lot of times you're not even aware of it. That's the oddity about symptoms.
A lot of times you're not even aware of it. Um, you find yourself only in reflection going, gosh, I'm extremely rigid about this or I'm extremely dogmatic about this. Another symptom is that you're, not, you're unable to put yourself in another person's mask. In other words, you can only see the world from your vantage point. Uh, it just comes out a lot of times when we look at kids and we go, oh, I don't understand these kids, man. When I was a kid, we didn't do this. Yeah, that's a sign the mask needs to go. Once you start looking at other people on the planet and start wondering, why in the heck are they that way? And that's not the right way. That goes back to the dogmatic and the rigidity. That's a sign. It's time to go. Racism, prejudices. Um, not understanding other cultures and how those cultures operate. Uh, you'll notice that you're doing that because you'll find your social circles tend to be the same people with the same skin tones and same ways of talking and same ways of being. And so what's happened is that you're unable to put yourself in another person's mask and therefore you're no longer open to any new scenarios or any new things that can happen in your life. And so the whole opportunity for wonder and joy and excitement and new stuff uh, kind of goes away. So that's another symptom. Another symptom is that uh, you're easily deceived by what your mask represents. In other words, you actually believe this mask is doing something uh, that it's not. The mask was it was put together and has been put together for you to experience a facet of reality. And then that experience of that facet of reality is to transform you as a human being. I think I've gone through the transformational process a few times in the past. So, um, But you are constantly being transformed by the renewing of your thinking. And you'll know it's always a transformational action because you'll actually create a new mask. And so what's happening is that. You actually believe this mask was designed to do things it was never designed to do. Things it was never designed to do as follows. If you find yourself constantly trying to be in control of your world, control of people in your world, control of the situation, that's the symptom. That's a sign. You find yourself making decisions based off of comfort. It's like I told you I was in MLS this last week and I watched these men seriously, seriously make decisions, full-on decisions, so they can stay comfortable and stay in control. And these decisions they were making were not in alignment with the goals that they had put down for their week, the goals that they said they were going to stake their life on. And so they were coming into abutments of energy because they would have to become a different mask to actually fulfill what it is they said that they were committed to. And so it kept coming out of their mouth is their old mass commitments of control, comfort. They want to stay safe. Um, for some of us, it's trying to look good to others around us. It's like some of these Facebook pages and you see these people in real life and you're going, whoa, you don't look quite the way you do on that page. Um, be right about the world, be right about life, you know, this is wrong, or this is this, or we shouldn't have to do that, and, you know, we should be able to have more sleep, and just all these things, I've got to be right about it, I've got to be right about it, I've got to be right about it, and then others of them just tolerate it all because they're trying to be liked. And so these are high signs that it's time, or high symptoms that it's time for the mask to go away. And these gentlemen, for a few days, they sat in that teetering edge, and they kept coming into 
constant turmoil with the way the the way the old mask was working and how the old mask could not work now in this new environment. I believe one of the ways we only actually blow up some of our masks is by going into something like classes, having near death scenarios, people in our life dying. Um, we have to, we have to have something rather substantial for us to actually break away from masks for the most part. And so you got to put yourself in one of those scenarios by taking something on, or you'll find yourself in one of those scenarios because your body says, "If you don't, I will," and so it'll do something. So that's a that's a sign. And I mean a symptom. Another symptom to look out for is when you find yourself being attached to things. You know your mask is fairly healthy and it's really new is because you're not attached to things around you. You're not attached to how this needs to be or how that needs to look or how the world needs to go and how things need to happen. Uh, you're, not, you're not attached to possessions. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to have this. And so you'll find yourself not having a great deal or need for attachment to things. Um, that's when you know you got the mask moving. But when the mask goes to... I got to have, I got to have, I got to have, and you're attaching yourself to, if I, if I, uh, if I make a million dollars, I am a successful person. If I have a healthy relationship with my wife, uh, where no, we never have any problems, and then that makes me a good man. If I have a healthy relationship with my husband, or at least I make it appear as if it's healthy, uh, then that makes me a good woman. If I'm my daughter or son's best friend, uh, then that makes me a good person. So we have a lot of attachments to the externals um, as opposed to being transformed internally. And so that's when you kind of look at it. Uh, and then you, you know you're really lost is because you don't see the importance of putting on a new mask. You don't see the importance of discarding your old way and donning a new way. See, the important is that you actually go full, you flow through masks. We're a many-faceted jewel, and there's all these facets that we need to experience for us to become whole as human beings. If you are insistent on remaining with this one vision or this one facet and want to hold on to it for the rest of your life, you'll never get a chance to experience wholeness as a human being. You'll never get a chance to experience um, pliability, resilience, uh, because you'll never be able to let go and then put back on. And work from there. So the mask has done its job when you remove it, for the most part, and you put another one on, you'll take a little bit of your skin in the process. It'll be a little painful. It'll be painful. Um, but it's a painful process that is uh, rewarding in the end. I wouldn't liken it to childbirth, but many women tell me that pain is, is uh, highly understandable or acceptable once a child's born. But I do put it to challenging yourself and there's always a certain amount of pain when you let part of yourself go and fall off the edge and move on to the next scenario. Um, Kat and I were talking about this concept called be, do, have. And in our world, ultimately what we're doing is we do this thing where when I have the car or when I have the house or when I have the million dollars, I'll travel, I'll have the, I'll do the family thing, I'll do the whatever thing, and then I'll be happy. And then another scenario is, well, when I do the work, um, then I'll have the money, and then I'll be happy. Uh, when I drive down Main Street in the new car, I'll be cool, or have, I'll have um, acceptance from people, then I'll be cool. 
So these are ways that people actually think about the world and uh, the environments around them. And we were looking at simply as this. Now, ultimately, it's be, do, have. It's not have, do, be, nor is it do, have, be, but it's be, to, have. When I am joyful, then I will do things as a joyful person would do it. And then I will have an abundance of joy in my world. When I am wealthy internally, then I will do things that wealthy people do. And then I will have the liberty that wealthy can give. And so it's not an essence of doing, it's an essence of being, bringing all, bringing all of who we are to what we do so that we have what we want. And so you got to believe in you and be in you. And so the masks, the belief system is you have to realize the mask is there for a reason. And you're going to move on through it. And not to shun it away, but allow yourself to embrace it. And once you embrace it, learn from it, own it, move on from it. And so ultimately what happens is that if when you flow through the energy of a mask, the mask becomes like wisdom. It becomes a healthy mask that you can now borrow and eat in any time that you may need it. Uh, you can borrow coming from that promoter category. You can borrow using particular masks. You can be the humorist uh, because you have now moved through the mask in a healthy manner, and now it's been transformed. Um, it's like I said earlier. It's like it's a little bit painful to go through the transformational process, but truly, if you look at it, it's the kind of pain a, a, a caterpillar experiences when it becomes a butterfly. It moves from one essence into a completely different essence. And so in wearing the mask, you become the mask, and then the mask becomes. And now it's an entity and it's something that you can utilize when and whenever you choose. And so you're no longer locked into having using a mask or having to stay in the mask, but now you're able to have healthy masks to choose from to continue to create the world you want. And, uh, and then you can actually pick different masks to have different facets of seeing the world. And so it brings a vitality to your life and an energy to your life that was meant to be kept when so often we believe we're supposed to stay this exact same way all the time and never vary from it. And that's just not life. That's just not life. Well, okay, it looks like I've run out of time and I know we have some questions to address. So I turn it over to you for some questions. All right. Before we go into questions, though, I just want to take a moment for everyone uh, joining us tonight who has not yet done our classes. If you want more tools to support you in being more authentic in your relationships, the basic course has extremely effective techniques that you can put into practice right away. And for the results that you really want to create in your life, at the PSA Basic Seminar, you get to uncover your limiting beliefs and discover what has been holding you back from living the life of your dreams. The Basic is an experiential class where you will be immersed in powerful exercises and get to explore who you are, what you really want, and how to get where you want to go. Again, if there is anything you want more, better, or different for yourself in your life, then go to psibasicseminar.com and get registered for the next PSI Basic. We hold classes in cities across the country, so find a location and date that works for you. Again, that's psibasicseminar.com.
So our first question for tonight is from JM. How best can we recognize if our action is authentic or masked by some other insecurity we are dealing with? That's really a good question. Um, and what happens is that in asking the question, it tells me a lot about how you're living your life, or at least how you're attempting to live your life and you see it. Uh, if you're at all having that experience of wondering if I'm authentic or not, um, and how you discern whether it's an action that you take is authentic or inauthentic, uh, the very question that you're asking it, you're removing yourself from the very action that you're partaking in. And when you remove yourself from that action that you're partaking in, it becomes an inauthentic action. You can't from you can't watch from the outside and actually being engaged. It's one of the things we deal with commitment, the men's leadership seminar. They try to partially commit by being an observer who's in, who's who's involved. And you can't be an observer who's involved. You gotta be involved, you gotta be here or not be here. You gotta be engaged or not engaged. So you want to know if you're authentic when it's over, you look back at it and you see it as one of the greatest experiences you've ever had. And it went by fast and it was amazing and powerful. You experienced emotional um, fulfillment as well as mental and, mo and mental fulfillment <clears throat> and were challenged in some way. If you look at it questioning, I wonder if I was authentic there or not. Yeah, it's pretty much a good answer. You weren't authentic. So my gauge is always when time stands still and I'm not feeling anything, bang, I'm in the midst of it. And when it's like excruciatingly long, it's because I am thinking way too much. I am overthinking way too much. I am trying to shape this into some important event that will change my life. And I'm trying to make it something that it's not and therefore being inauthentic. Or if I found myself, did I hurt their feelings? Did I do this right? Did I say what I was supposed to say? Whenever I question that, no longer being authentic. I was not authentic in that exchange because if I were authentic, I would never question that. Um, and it's authentic is an interesting thing I've noticed for my world personally, because it's, it's, it's something I strive for. I really strive to be authentic. And I find myself, um, sometimes it's I'm awesome. I'm extremely connected with the people around because authentic authenticity means a sense of empathy and connection and you're engaged with what you're a part of. And then sometimes I find myself sort of, I'm saying the right stuff. I'm doing the right things, but for whatever reason, I'm, I know I'm not engaged. I know I'm not involved. And so then in reflection afterwards, I go, what happened? What happened? And I always find out when I reflect on it. I was scared. I was afraid of not doing a good job. Podcasts, you know, it's easy to have that happen to you because you're always wondering, oh, I want to do a good job. I want them to make something out of it. I want it to be really good. Um, and uh, since I can't hear any of you talking or I can't see your faces because I do a lot of faces. If I can see your face, I have a good idea of whether I'm connecting or not. So whenever I get into that kind of space and I start analyzing it from the outside, I know that I'm not being authentic. So authentic is an experience that you experience, not something you try to plan. Uh, to me, it's a beingness that I come from. I just choose to be authentic, and sometimes I nail it, and sometimes I know it. And I can pretty be, I can be pretty clear on why I didn't nail it, because uh, I'm trying to look good or be right or something, I'm trying to get people to like me. So there were a formula 
The formula is have a clear intention before you step into something. What do you truly want to have done when you walk away? If you have a seriously clear intention, then you can totally commit yourself to the scenario and you'll find yourself becoming coming from a place of authenticity. You know, I mean, people don't question their authenticity a lot of times when it comes to making love to somebody or um, creating a nice meal. They're pretty clear with immediate feedback that they got it. Uh, but when you feel like you have to make love to somebody, you feel like you have to create a nice meal, then you got a problem. And that's when you're in, you're become extremely inauthentic and you don't glean the same uh, value you would have gleaned had you allowed yourself to surrender and just be with it. All right, Kat, next question. Next from D.A., what if I've been masking myself for others for so long, I no longer know who I truly am? Well, I guess you have been masking yourselves from others for a long time. And, but I was telling you in this thing, it, everybody's masking themselves from others. And it's who you are is so, so in. It's, it's infinitude is so beyond what you can comprehend right now. We as human beings can only see very vaguely all of who we are. That's why we always ask the question in meditation every freaking day. Who am I? What do I want? Because once that facet is realized, then another facet happens, and another facet happens, and another facet happens, and another facet happens, and you have a more holistic understanding of who and what you are. But even from that vantage point, now you see there's even more to who you are. So trust the masks that you have been wearing to this point and start getting your intention clear on the masks you want to bring into your life from here on. You got it down on how to please and do things for other human beings. Now start identifying what do you want and now create a mask that fulfills that aspect of who you are. For instance, for me, I wanted to become spiritual or I wanted to become more like a yogi or I wanted to become, I want, you know, it's like I'm always delving in that area. I've been since probably 20 years old. Um, and one of my masks that I know I put on all the time is the spiritual intuitive, intuitive guy. And every time I put it on after a little while, I realize it's different. It's changed. It's not the same. My understanding of the universe right now is so different than it was 35 years ago. that the mask I wear now has just, it, it has to be extended. It has to become bigger. Um, and in many ways, it's like, you know, I'll show it's like it violates certain things that I believe in. I have all these little beliefs that are really put down in stone. I'm really thinking I got this all down. And to truly learn more or be more, I've got to actually pull these beliefs out and dust them off a bit and go, hmm, Okay, they served me for a while. They served that mask, but the mask that you're really after, it's not going to serve that mask. And so you got to let them go. So I'm telling you, if you're kind of lying to yourself by thinking you lost yourself, you can't lose yourself. It's just that you've been experiencing masks that don't have a lot of value when it comes to personal uh, development. They have a lot of value in staying safe, staying in control, being comfortable. But they have no other value in those ways. And so 
Time for you to start exploring, what do I want? Because what do you want will tell you who you are. I have a lot of people tell me, I, I don't know what I want anymore. No, nah, you do. You just, you're afraid to want it. I understand that. I've, been, I've had that scenario. It's easier not to want it because then you have to do something about it. Um, but no, you got it. You had it. The deal is just get yourself quiet. Get yourself quiet. Get a few people around you too. Talk to them a bit. I'm probably you do it all on your own, your own head. Now get some friends, something you can talk to. It's annoying, I know. I just, it's, I hate it, but I, I do it as well. Because um, I'm thinking I'm supposed to dawn upon me from the horizon or from God, and I realize that now sometimes it's through a conversation. And so, alcohol can be involved or not involved. It's totally up to you. Wine, scotch, cigars. But when you're talking with someone else, you'll be amazed. They'll go, well, no, don't you remember? You love this stuff. And all of a sudden you go, oh, shoot. And things will be brought to light that you, with that mask of doing things for others, can't see in that mask. Because that mask doesn't a lot for it. That mask is about doing things for others, not for yourself. So, yeah, get some support around you. Trust yourself. You got it. It's just in feeling this way, it's a lot easier not to do anything and blame the universe or the world or something like that. All right, next question. Next from BG. How do you learn to love your imperfections? It's always interesting to me when we use a word like learn to love. You got an energy that's emotional in nature, and then you have an energy that's mental in nature, and you're saying, how do I, how do I create a formula to love something? Um. There's a few ways I think that could be valuable. Uh, projection is a tool that I think I've been using a lot lately. And that is, I look at a small child, and um, I've been around some kids lately. And kids just aren't the way that they used to be in my world. I used to do a lot of youth group stuff and work with kids now. Things are different. Things are different. And I find myself um, not liking their actions so much. But I can easily see that I don't hate them. I just hate their actions. And so what I started to construct on my own self personally is that um, the action was necessary because it showed me the issue. But it doesn't mean that I don't love the one who did the action. You can't hate the person who got who brought you here, and that person's you. You can't hate and beat yourself up and be excited about moving forward. If beating yourself up and hating yourself worked, you'd be a millionaire and you'd be doing a podcast someplace. Um, and it doesn't work, so you know it doesn't work. So the deal now is to, I say, I see myself as a child in those areas. There's some areas I go, you haven't developed here yet, and I can't expect as much out of you, so you're a kid. And so I'm just going to love you because you're my child. You're my kid. So that's the projection I put on it. I make myself like a child. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm dealing with it. Um, you probably have high perfectionist expectations. Expectations were pretty much designed for one purpose, and that's to create disappointments. And so go through and alleviate any expectations that you have upon yourself. 
keep your goals, keep your vision, keep what you're after. But the expectations, get rid of them. They don't work. You'll have expectations if you have, you've got them on how much you should weigh, what you should look like, uh, your visual aspect. And so that's just a comparing yourself to other other world that's just not possible. What's happened is that you're not accepting yourself. I think all of us as human beings are beginning to play that game more and more. Accepting yourself is like to accept anything, you got to give up what you think you already know. So what's happened is what you think you already know is something like I got to be thin or I won't be lovable or I got to be strong or I won't be lovable or I got to be um, tall or the perfect 20-year-old body or whatever it is or they're not going to like me. Well, a lot of that stuff's made up anyway because you're trying to force yourself to stay smaller, stay thinner, stay younger, stay whatever. So it's just a bunch of BS we put together to, to parent ourselves. So we berate ourselves to try to stay the way we want to be. But the other truth of the matter is you actually do equate that I, I will not be accepted by people around me if I do not operate from a place of thin, um, healthy, and these kind of stuff. And so rather than going out there and saying, all right, now you got to move your focus internally. A few minutes ago I was talking about being. you got to be accepting of you. you got to let go of what you think you already know. Once you accept you internally and you just be acceptable, then you'll start doing things that are acceptable. And then you'll start having the extremely acceptable lifestyle. People will accept you for who and what you are if you accept you for who and what you are. People will love you for who and what you are if you love you for who and what you are. But if you try to go the other way around and go, when I get the love, then people will love me. No, i gotta, I got to generate it from within. When I'm being loving to myself, others will be loving to me. The reason a lot of people have people in their lives that, you know, abusive relationships, abusive lifestyles, people have, uh, uh, people verbally abuse them, they mentally abuse them, they don't, they don't respect them, they don't, da, da, da. Well, the reason that is because most of the people on the planet right now, they don't respect themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't embrace themselves. They don't create boundaries with themselves. And so they let the world treat them the same way they're treating themselves, and they get all bent out of shape about it. Well, you think the world should? No, you, you treat yourself this poorly. Yeah, okay. The universe goes, I will too. You, that's what you believe you're worth. The minute you believe you're worth more, in other words, the minute you exalt your beingness, the minute you transform, then you'll begin doing things that are in alignment with it, and you'll have what you want. I think that was a little bit of a squirrel there, but I think we're on track. Kat, next question. Next from DA. How can I overcome my fear of rejection? In the transformational model, DA, part of the process is to realize there's resistance present. And so you, you acknowledge there's resistance. And once you acknowledge there's resistance, um, then you have to go to a place of acceptance. And so you have to give up what you think you already know about the world, about life, about reality. And then once you get through acceptance, then you got to allow yourself to experience whatever it is you're resisting completely. So using that model for you, you have to experience rejection completely. For me, that's a reflective process. I put myself in it. it was a day when I know no one was going to be around. Actually, it was the weekend. 
I knew nobody was being around. And so if all I did was contemplate, if I were rejected by these people, what would that mean? If I were rejected by these people, what would I feel? How would I experience it? I allowed myself to experience all facets of rejection completely. I just embraced it all. And I realized in embracing it and experiencing it completely, it no longer had control over me. See, in the men's leadership seminars last class, one of the things we always tell people is <clears throat> when you get angry at somebody, they own you. <laughs> Once you allow your emotions to get out of hand, you no longer manage them, manage them properly. And I make you angry, I own you. That means there's something that's not been experienced completely internally, so you feel the need to respond with anger. Once I experience this rejection completely, I have no concerns with being rejected. I have no concerns with being alone. I have no real concerns with dying. I probably have more concerns with living at the end of death to death than I do actually about dying, becoming old. Um, but I'm no longer tethered by fears and worries and anxieties that concern me with rejection. Because I realize it's not being rejected that I feared. It's what I made up about being rejected. People are going to reject you, dude, or do that. To be human, someone's going to reject us. They're going to reject our lifestyle. They're going to reject our thought processes. They're going to reject that we make more money than them. Or they're going to reject. Them. They're going to reject us because we don't care enough about the people. People are dying on this world all the time, and you don't care enough, and you make way too much money, so they'll reject us because of that. They'll become jealous, and they'll reject us because our results are better than their results. I mean, you're going to get rejected. It's going to happen. And rejection has nothing to do with you. It actually has everything to do with them. But once you work through that rejection completely, then you'll experience a nothingness that's profound. And from that, you now can commit to yourself in a whole different way. Kat, next question. Next from AE. Well, let me preface it with this. A lot of times in circles of personal growth, you'll hear the phrase, fake it till you make it. Uh, so the question is, how can you act like the person you want to become and still be authentic to who you truly are? You'll be authentic regardless, as long as you're acting in authenticity to be the kind of person that you want to become. I wonder if you're talking about integrity. How do you see an integrity that way? Um, when you're operating, see, authenticity is you're operating from an undisputed origin, a center, uh, a place at the beginning. And so um, when you're about growing and you're going to use this tool called fake it till you make it to grow, uh, you're authentically utilizing the tool fake it till you make it to grow. I was going to end with this, but this is one of the things I noticed about this. Have you ever seen cats play when they're young and they're little kids, small? Uh, you put them together and what do they do? They're constantly, bam, they jump around, they jump around. And what they're doing is they're pretending that they're fighting one another. And that's all they do. They're just pretending that they're fighting one another because realistically what's happening while they're little like that, they're training for a day when they're really fighting. And so it looked like a game and playtime back then was truly a training process. And it was authentically creating in them the ability to fight faster, better, more significantly. 
And so when I look at us as human beings, what's the thing that little children do the most? They pretend. They pretend and they make believe. They make completely worlds. They make a worlds where they become kings and queens. They make up worlds where they become doctors, nurses, practitioners, ministers. They pretend that they're going to change the world. So in a very real world, in a very real reality, pretending to be someone that you're not is truly actually becoming someone you've always been. You can't see it because it's in you. But it's always been a part of you. If you're trying to fake becoming something, you can't fake becoming something unless it's already a part of you. Sometimes I'll tell the story that I got from a person named Frederick Beatner, who's an author. In The Wizard of Oz, you've got Dorothy, and she has a little dog Toto, and she wants to get to the wizard who's in Oz, and then she meets a scarecrow along the way, and the scarecrow wants to have a brain. And they meet a lion who wants to have courage, and they stumble upon a tin man who's after um, a heart, he wants to have a heart. And it's a scary experience. There's spider monkeys, poppies. I mean, it's not easy getting into Oz. And uh, when you reflect back upon it all along the way, when someone had to operate from a place of thinking it out or coming up with a solution, you'll realize it's always a scarecrow, especially in the book, always a scarecrow. And when someone had to operate from a place from courage, it was always a lion. And you'll, you'll remember that the tin man was always rusting up because he was crying. He was the one who wanted a heart. And when we get to the very end of the book, we realize Dorothy never left home. She was always home. What you want is in you, and you could not want it. And so when you do the fake it till you make it, the joke is that it's a joke. You're not faking something. You already have it. You're just putting some energy on it. You're pretending. You're believing. In other words, you're being someone. So you can do the things of that someone, and you can have the lifestyle that you want. And so don't get bothered by faking it until you make it. It's actually a very powerful tool. Because whatever you pick to fake, it's not a faking. It's who you are. It's like when you find yourself giving advice to people all the time, always giving people advice, 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 advice. Uh, the reality is that you're just telling yourself. You're not telling anybody else. You're telling yourself what you need to hear or what you believe you need to hear. And so trust yourself that who you want to become is calling you. And it's calling you, utilizing whatever tool it can, whatever mask is necessary to bring you into a, what I call fruition, authentication. And so surrender. Give up what you think you already know and just be with it. What's happened more than likely, someone's judging you from the outside and that's bothering you. And that's all part of the process part of growth try to make fun of a little child when they're pretending you can't because they're not bothered by it they'll get bothered by it when they get a little bit older
Next question. That's actually all the time we have for questions. Um, we do have a number of people on the call who haven't been to the classes and there are a handful of questions about the contents of the classes and what are the advantages of taking the classes, what happens during class, that sort of thing. Uh, if you just want to take a quick minute to share about our series of classes and, and what makes them so powerful, that would be great. We have three major classes. The first one's called the basic. I've made reference to it many times throughout this uh, podcast. The basic is a three-day class, and um, what it was referred to as an awareness training. And it's a training that's designed in an experiential fashion to allow you to become aware of things that aren't quite working for you in your world. Limiting belief systems, limiting understandings of your planet, um, and then we offer tools and techniques to assist you in working in your world differently than you've worked thus far. And so it's literally three days of, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I do that all the time. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even know there was another way of doing that. Oh, my gosh, wow. That's more, guys, more power over me than I realized. And so you become constantly aware on how you're living out your life almost without realizing it in a habitual format. And whatever result you're creating right now seems to be a result of habit more so than anything else. And so the basic is to get you aware and now taking more charge of your thoughts uh, so that you can create a new lifestyle, a new world in front of you. Life Success Course is a seven-day course. It's held up on a ranch in Northern California. I'm about 30 miles from that ranch right now. Uh it's a experiential training as well, but it's transformative. You're dealing with transformation. Plan transformation in the seven-day period. So the idea is that you're going to come in as a caterpillar, and by the end of the seven days, you're going to be transformed into a butterfly. You literally will not be the same person you were before. How we accomplish that is by doing some classroom work and doing some outdoor trainings. All the work in the basic is classroom work. It's not like someone's up lecturing. They're doing, through, they're doing some exercises, um, but it's always indoors. Where at Life Success Course, it's indoor and outdoor. We have a low ropes area where you do low ropes events, and we have high ropes areas where you do high ropes events. We have some of our belief systems that are connected to us emotionally and physically, and so the class is designed to bust that up both emotionally and physically so that you can truly embrace and experience the transformational process. Up there, you're dealing much more with attachment energy and the, uh, the power of how attachment energy can guide our lives. Then there's a lot of leadership classes. We have a men's leadership class and a women's leadership class. They, too, are held on the ranch. Life success course is seven days. Leadership classes are nine days. Uh, and in those classes, you get a chance to deal with your commitments. Uh, you get a chance to deal with communication. You get a chance to deal with laying down a foundation that, that it puts in alignment your values and principles that you want to live your life on. And you get a chance to explore and realize your vision. And so all the things that leaders work with, you're going to be working with in real time through events to get a better idea of how you operate as a leader and then, boom, being able to apply things to become a better leader or a different leader than you've been thus far. This last 10 days, these gentlemen were put into scenarios that they deemed to be impossible. 
impossible to think through, impossible to experience through. They felt they were unskilled. They felt they were unprepared. They felt all these things. But in reality, when we're, taught, when we're brought to lead, we're never prepared. And we rarely have all the skills necessary. What it comes down to is what qualities are you bringing forth as a human being and what's your desire, what's your intention. And these men, in a way I can just say was powerful to watch, called forth things that they would never have called forth in their life. And they had been transformed into a leader of self, which is what our leadership classes are all about. First becoming a leader of self before you lead anybody else. So that's a nine-day course also up on the ranch in Northern California. Uh, you must go to the basic before you can go to the life success course. You must take the life success course before you can go to the leadership classes. Uh, they're powerful classes. Kat? Great. And, yes, it does all start with the PSI basic class. And you can find out more at PSIBasicSeminar.com. Uh, so, Rob, as we're wrapping up the call, do you have any final takeaway points from your teaching tonight? One of the things I wanted to finish with is I told you um, what Einstein said, is that the uh, you cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. And I want to leave you with, we cannot solve our problems with the same mask we wore when we created them. Whatever mask you wore at that time in that situation can only see your world from that vantage point. And a new mask must emerge. A new way of seeing your world must happen, and you will be transformed by your very experience with that. In that transformation, you'll experience joy. There'll be a lightheartedness. I guess I'm an Einstein guy today. What you'll do is you'll find yourself expanding as a human being, and you'll find life downright hilarious. You'll know you're in the right spot because it'll be funny. You know your mask is ready to go because... Everything is getting smaller and smaller and serious and serious and serious. And that's the time you got to break out of it. Play with it. I had fun thinking it through. I have so many other ways I could just play with it. Um, but it's a phenomenal little uh, structure, lots of little model to play with and work with. I hope that I have brought you some thinkings that will allow you to challenge some thoughts that you've had and continue your growth process. Cat. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. We had some deep questions tonight as this was uh, an immense topic. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and teaching with us tonight. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I appreciate it. And thank you to everyone listening in. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the training, have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. You definitely don't want to miss next month's training. It's scheduled for Tuesday, September 10th, and PSI facilitator Tim O'Kelly will be joining us. You can register now at PSILive.com, and remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's PSILive.com. If you're getting value from our podcast, don't forget to rate us and leave a review on iTunes, and certainly share it with anyone you think would benefit. Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic course, you can go to psibasicseminar.com where you'll find information about the class as well as the upcoming dates and locations that are open for registration. Thank you everyone for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night. Have a great night.